On today's episode of Hungry for Wisdom, why you should always play poker with a Republican from Washington. Hint, he'll always fold. Why you should never play poker with a Democrat from Washington. Hint, he'll steal the money, kill your baby, and then brag about it. And can a group of grandmas save the country? Well, we're going to let one of them give it a shot today. It's episode eight. Turn it up! Welcome to Hungry for Wisdom. This is the podcast for people who want to know what God knows. He hasn't told us everything, but man, he has told us a lot. I'm Dustin, pastor at Grace and Truth. If you want to know what God knows, let's dig in. Episode 8 is dedicated to Hope Medical. And I've got with me here the director of Hope Medical. Is that actually your title? No, I'm I'm, not the director. You're not? I thought you took over as the director. I like to think I am, but no, I'm not. (laughs) You do a lot of directing. What's your title? I'm a... Staff nurse, basically, but I help with a lot of, I do a lot of everything, and our executive director is rich, but our nurse nurse manager recently moved to Idaho, mm-hmm. and we're still in transition there. Gotcha, gotcha. So basically, you're, you're holding everything together, and... Uh, maybe, maybe, and if, yes. If I called you the director, that would not be the official it's title. It's not but my official title. It might be Thank accurate. you for the promotion, but yeah. it's, it's not my title. <laughs> Paula Nolte, the great Paula Nolte is with us today. We're going we're gonna to get into some stuff involving the Ministry of Hope Medical and a whole lot of other issues surrounding that. But first, I want to lay some groundwork. Instead of doing a Proverbs devotion like normal, I'm going to do, uh, I'm, I'm going to grab us some wisdom from a couple of different parts of the Bible. So, here we go. I am going to start us in Proverbs, though. Let me start with Proverbs 21, verse 1. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. All right, so it would be the opposite of wisdom to think that our faith is separate from our politics. God comments on the king. God comments on the state. God directs and commands and warns them all over the Bible. So to have two silos in our mind, one for our faith and one for our politics, would be uh, biblically kind of schizophrenic. I want to try and steer us away from that line of thinking today. The idea that we need to be apolitical in our faith, frankly, is a lie from the devil. And I want you to hear that from your pastor because I love you guys. It is a lie. Now, we spend a lot of time warning against the distractions of politics, the idolatry that is is a, a temptation when we engage in politics. But... Politics, as we're going to discuss here today, is nothing more than the, the managing of people for uh, a fruitful society. And God has all kinds of stuff to say from cover to cover in the Bible about that. So the idea of an apolitical Christian faith is biblically insane, and Satan really honestly loves it. God not only cares about the decisions of our rulers, but he manages them. He overrides them, he directs them, he decrees them, and ultimately the rulers have to answer to him. So check this out, Psalm 2. It says, Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, that's Jesus, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs and he scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and and, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the sun. Some of your translations will say, kiss the sun, lest he become angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Now, the whole point of the book of Daniel is that God is sovereign even over geopolitics, and he shows it over and over again. Daniel himself was a political ruler. Isaiah, the the great prophet, if, if somebody says the prophet, they're just referring to Isaiah. He's the guy, and he was in the royal court during his ministry. Jesus told the political rulers that their kingdom was on loan to them from God in John nineteen eleven. The apostle Paul navigated politics and the political process for the glory of God in Acts 25, and he shares the gospel with them while he's on trial for his life in Acts 26. Paul tells us to pray for our politics and uh, our, our local and national politics mm-hmm. and for the, the working of certain outcomes that he commands us to work towards in 1 Timothy 2. 
You look into church history, John Knox preached against the murderous Queen Mary while she was sitting in his church. So this this little dude, little Scotsman with a beard down to his knees, which was only about six inches of, of beard length because he was tiny, and he was in his pulpit just yelling about this, this evil queen while she was sitting right there listening to him. The last words of William Tyndale before he was publicly executed was, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. That's a political statement if I ever heard one. Our whole country got founded because rulers didn't have the right to violate God's boundaries as outlined in scripture and in our consciences. And even the primary Christian confession, Christ is Lord, if you look at Romans 10, 9 and other, you know, other passages where this is cited, that is the foundational Christian statement. And it's a political statement on some level. It's not only a political statement, but it's not less than that either. Christ is Lord. All other rulership comes underneath his what else could have uh, could, could he have meant when he rose from the dead and he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All means all. And Christ is not a, a politician and Christianity is not a political system or movement. But the claim that Christ, to, let me rephrase that, to claim that, I'm going to learn to speak English one of these days. What am I trying to say? Good. Okay, so politics comes under the feet of Jesus, rightfully so. And right. in, in the ordering of the universe that God created to deny that would be to operate in a a mode of insanity, operating contrary to reality. So this trick that the world has always tried to pull on us doesn't Mm -hmm. fly. They take an issue that God has spoken about and then they suck it up into the realm of political discussion. And then once the politicians have, have like sufficiently mangled our categories on it, then they say that religious people need to stay in their lane because now this is a political issue. When God spoke on it first, And so today we're going to be talking a lot about abortion. This happens all the time. People say that faith is a matter of personal conscience, and so it's not relevant to a political discussion. And the biblical answer is, excuse me, this is not a discussion. This has been settled. God created life in the womb. He gives it and he takes it back when he wants. God and only God has the right to do this. Occasionally, he delegates the right to take life to certain people in certain circumstances, but it is still his to delegate. And so when we try to pretend to be God and the rulers over life, death, and politics, his answer is just simply no. He who sits in the heavens laughs. We do not get to destroy a beautiful creation of God. He likes babies. I mean, we can make all of these statements and just say, period, discussion over. This is not a public dialogue. This is a decree of God. And by the way, just so everybody knows this, he doesn't just like babies. He likes mothers. And he likes fathers, and he likes marriages, and he likes homes, and he hates the abuse and the coercion and the scarring and the depression and the, the, the lying and the, the suicide and the attempted suicide that so often go along with abortions. In fact, I would say more often than not. So God has spoken. And what he has said is, we, as his people, must save the unborn from the industries that seek to profit from their slaughter. And we must save the parents from becoming the perpetrators. We're getting tricked into it or pressured Mm -hmm. into it or whatever. Now, thankfully, God has offered to do just that, to save babies and to save adults and to cause us to be not only born biologically, but to be born again spiritually. So the question is, how can we help? And that is why I brought in Paula Nolte. Mm -hmm. So, Paula, I just... uh, um, just went off on my own little mini rant about you know the the Christian and engagement in politics and opened up that door. I brought you in specifically because I really like the way that you think about these things, and I don't want to I don't want to puff you up in public or anything like that. Um, but I'm gonna because I kind of do want to. You, I I have I have an admiration for how you approach certain things. Okay, um, the the um the issue of politics in christianity is a little bit sticky because we we find idols it's you know calvin said it right the heart is a uh, an idol factory Mm -hmm. and we make a lot of idols we we expect to see deliverance from the realm of politics whether it's a particular politician or a political issue and so we will staple the mission of christ to the accomplishing of that issue and that's that's a real mistake that gets made the pastors always have to guard against and, Mm -hmm. and things like that you seem to at least in in my observation you seem to have a really good understanding that you live out of engaging fervently in the political process. You, your job as a citizen is not a mystery to you and you do it well, but you're also not distracted from the mission of Christ. And these almost seem like they're not separate issues to you. It's, it's integrated and balanced and things like that. So 
what I'm what I'm wondering, and I didn't give you a heads up on this. What I'm wondering is if you can kind of talk a little bit about how you think about the Christians' engagement in politics, because specifically, how do you engage in politics without it taking over your Christianity? How do you not get distracted? Does that make sense? Makes sense, and it's easy to get distracted because they'll they'll both pull at you. We need you here. We need you there. We need you here. We need you there. The tyranny of the urgent. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But I think if I keep my focus on the Creator, we wouldn't be here but for Him. If I keep my focus on not getting distracted from my family, so we got God first, marriage, family. I'm constantly having to reprioritize. Because if I say yes to something, I've got to let something else go. And I don't always do the best job. But um, I I guess it it hits me when I see what's going on around us politically, and I look back at my past. Did your parents tell you to register to vote? Did your parents tell you how to vote? Uh, We get what we ask for a lot of times. And... um, I, I always felt like when we raised our kids, we didn't take them necessarily to the polling booth, but they knew we voted. They knew we worked for Human Life of Washington in Walla Walla. Um, pulling the kids in and, and exampling them is part of how I prioritize, too. If it's something I can take my kids to and something they can teach, I can teach them on, I'll do it. You know, So I, I guess it's, it's got to revolve around the family and God, period. And there's time. There's things I could do more of on both, but with the gray hair comes a little less energy to do <laughs> as much. <laughs> but whatever he opens the door for, he usually gives me the energy for. Yeah. Where he guides, he provides, as he they say, right? Does. He yeah. usually does, unless I've stepped ahead of him. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that happens to all of us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you um you moved into town here a few years back, and um. You know, you, you kind of settled down at, at Grace and Truth, and you said you, you you were very clear with me the first time we sat down and had coffee. Now I already knew you just because you know your family in town and stuff. But I came over to your guys' house, and you said, "Here's the deal: I'm here for the grandkids. Yes. I'll do a whole lot of stuff. I want to serve. I want to help. I want to do whatever. I'm here for the grandkids." Yes. So I just want to say that you know the, I know all of your kids. Two of your kids I know really well, and um, I know most of your grandkids really well. And I just want to say they are all an absolute delight. And I got a lot of respect for them. One of them has been a guest on this podcast and will be again. The other one, we're still trying yeah. to work out the schedules. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, this, is, this is working, right? Values are getting transferred across generations. So how did you get involved in, um, in the, the pro-life issue and oh, saving babies, building families specifically? Was there a turning point or a slow burn or what? Uh, I, wait, it wasn't a turning point. It's just we always have. When Ron and I were dating as teenagers, we both knew we wanted to have children and we wanted to be grandparents. We knew back then. And I had a friend ask me one time, um, what would you do if your teenage daughter got pregnant? And at then t- that time, I just said, we'd figure out what we need to do. Mm-hmm. No question. Uh, you know, the abortion didn't even come up. So um, Ron and I usually do most everything as a team. When I worked in nursing homes, he'd come and visit. We got involved with Human Life of Washington or Walla Walla with some friends through the Catholic Church, and um, we we got on the board, and we helped them with their fair booth. And the interesting thing back then, our fair booth for Human Life was right next to Planned Parenthood. Really? Really. And we look back now, we think, how awesome, because we didn't hate each other and fight each other. We just had booths next to each other. Yeah. So, so it was a little more civil back then. It was civil. Wow. So I, I, I look at that example even today. I might disagree with my political friends across the aisle, but can we have a civil discourse? We're not going to agree on everything. I don't agree with every Christian on everything. But can we at least sit down and talk about it? And most of the time, if you can talk civilly, you can come to some meeting of the minds, you know. So that's a good question surrounding the issue of killing babies. Can you be civil? Or do you start civil and then see where it goes? I mean, how do you approach that? I am civil. I try as hard as I can to be civil because the other side is not anymore. Mm. And um, I don't like bombing clinics. I don't like, and even, even picketing, that's not 
what God's called me to do. I'm more of a practical person. I suppose I should be clear. When I say civil, I don't mean as opposed on, on to like all sides. violent. I mean yes. civil in terms of uh, manners. Yeah, and I'm not going to call him a murderer. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to do that to a woman. But yes, in my eyes, it is murder. But I also know some of these women think they're doing the only thing they can. So I'm not going to call her a murderer. Yeah, and it sounds like you're delineating between the mothers mm-hmm. and the business people, the administrators yeah. and things like that, right? There, there's different different crimes being perpetrated and, uh, from those different angles. Well, and the word predator has been really strong on my on my heart a lot lately, a lot more lately. There's predators. You know, the ones that come in and see us aren't, they don't have doctors. A lot of them, they don't have primary care doctors. A lot of them don't have insurance. Uh, a lot of them know they're on a tight budget and stuff, but who? we're not going to prey on that. The other side preys on that. And guess what? If you can't afford it, the state will pay for it. You know, and, and they prey on their vulnerability. They prey on their crisis mode. Our job is to, okay, instead of let's just sit down, get out of the crisis mode in the brain, and let's talk about what's really hurting you today. What What is really bothering you today? What can I help you with today? And then we'll go from there. So um, I just see I, I just see that everywhere. Predators from from bringing in illegal aliens, which is a whole different topic, to vote. To, there's just predators hey, everywhere. Listen, no, no politics. Everywhere. No politics on this podcast, Paula. That's oh, a rule. Sorry, <laughs> I'm messing around. <laughs> so, so the the model of the the ministry model of Hope Medical is a really specific one because Hope Medical was created because there was a building available in the same parking lot as Planned Parenthood. Yes, and so you guys are situated now facing each other, you're door to door. So when somebody is is persuaded not to go into Planned Parenthood or when somebody drives by and has that last minute second thought or something, um, like we've we've got people that go down there and pray at Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. and talk to uh, you know, talk to the people going mm-hmm. in and things like that. Um, and they're able to just walk them right over mm-hmm. to Hope yep. Medical. Yep. Okay. And so somebody comes in that was planning to go to Planned Parenthood. I'm run, running a scenario with you. Okay. Somebody comes in that was planning to go to Planned Parenthood and one of our workers over there, one of the, the kingdom of God's workers over there that was praying and sharing the gospel with people walks in with this young lady mm-hmm. and she meets the people at the front desk. What happens at Hope Medical from there? What happens is we just start wrapping our arms around them. Uh, we have some great gals in the front. Linda and Adela are just awesome, and Adela is Spanish-speaking, so that helps with a lot of our clientele, our patients. And we um, tell them, ask them what it is they would they need help with today, whether it's STI or I think I'm pregnant. I want an ultrasound now. Um, most we've had a, some referrals, more than one referral from Planned Parenthood. Isn't that the craziest it thing? It is. Christy told me that that had happened uh, when, when I was talking to Christy from U Medical. Yes. Um, who, who, by the way, I, I think it's, this is a sidetrack. I love that these two organizations oh, are friends. We're sister organizations. That's great. It's awesome. I love it. So anyway, I was talking to her and yeah, she was, she was saying that, that, uh, Planned Parenthood, when they get too busy, they just say, Hey, we don't have room for you. Go over there. And I flipped my lid because I was like that. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that that's yes, the end result, yes. but all that shows is that they don't really have any convictions, right? Because why would you send somebody to some, to, to an organization that is ideologically the opposite of you and call that care. Yeah, yeah. That's insane to me. Anyway. Well, uh, I'll give you a couple of quick examples. One besides the one that I think you heard of, there was also one, um, a lady wanted STI checked um, testing. And she said, I just came from Planned Parenthood. And I said, oh, well, what brought you here? Well, they referred me to you. And I said, oh, that's interesting. She said, well, I was there a few months ago, but they said they don't take my insurance anymore. And I said, well, that's strange what is it and it sounded like a common one and then she says well and then I said well let me pay you cash and they didn't want my cash either was that odd so she was confused too so she said so I'm here and after we got done talking she said I am so glad they sent me here but I I thought is it because it wasn't a money maker they were too busy I Mm. don't know I don't know but that's just one story yeah, and then we've had um, uh, one lady said I was four minutes late for my appointment, and they said go up the hill. Okay, okay, we'll take <laughs> you. Praise so, God. Yeah, we have had more than uh, we've had a handful that have been referred. Yeah, so when yeah. they come in and ask for, let's say, uh, an ultrasound, do, do we what want? To, there? We want it. We tell them that the process is we we 
Medically, can't just do an ultrasound without a pregnancy test, number one. Okay. It's a limited ultrasound. We need a medical reason to do it. So um, we'll let you talk to the nurse. So let's, if you don't mind, here's some paperwork. Do you want to stay? Do you want to have, have an appointment? If they decide to stay, they do their, their intake. They take them back to do pregnancy tests. The advocate talks to them to see where they're at. The nurse goes in, gives them results, and then we go from there, whatever the need is. We rarely... Unless they happen like today, we have a sonographer. We rarely do it the same day. Uh, a lot of the ladies nowadays don't even know how their cycles. We're just finding more and more cycles are just really off kilter. Hmm. And they may think they're five or six weeks along, and go, lo and behold, they're only a couple of weeks along. So they just so. need some basic guidance and basic medical issues. Okay. Many, many do. Well, and that's so helpful when they can show up and get answers mm-hmm. like that on the spot. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's why we're medical, not just a pregnancy crisis center, mm-hmm. because there are some medical issues. And if some ladies come in and they think everything's fine and dandy. We find out she's diabetic and hasn't been on her medication for a while. Okay. Well, let's talk a little more, and we need to refer you and get, we need to get your ducks in a row and see if a doctor can get you in sooner than 12 weeks. Get that preeclampsia out of there, yeah. Mm, and hyper, I had one this week, hypertension. Yeah. And I thought, uh, you need to see a doctor sooner. How We, we got we to gotta stress this to the doctor that you need to get in sooner. So you, you'll do that. You'll do the, the STI testing. Is there, by the way, is there a difference between STDs and STIs? No, it's interchangeable. Same thing. Okay. They it. just kind of quit using one term, but we use both. You don't like telling both. people they have a disease or no. something? And all of you nurses are no. like, can we just call it what it is? <laughs> Everybody's no. so sensitive. No. And that, 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 that has been, I've told you about it. I'm never would have dreamed I'd be talking to men about STIs. I raised yeah. two sons, but we never had to get this in depth before. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going, how come this is okay? And a lot of nurses I'm finding aren't comfortable with it. Really? Well, I'm starting to understand it a little bit more. And part of it is the grandma thing. I don't know. It's, that's part of it. But that's, um, that's why some people aren't comfortable with it. No, that's why I think I'm more comfortable with okay. it is my maturity. You've seen and, it. Yeah. And I'm not, Stuff I might not have felt like comfortable talking real intimate about, it doesn't bother me so much anymore. Is there a certain age where you get past clutching your pearls, or was it just a matter of like, I don't care anymore? I don't know. <laughs> God must have known this was the better age for me. That's all I can figure. I wouldn't have dreamed it. Oh, yeah. And you've you told me a couple of stories about you know guys that you're sitting down with in, in homosexual relationships, yes. and, and you're discussing details of stuff in order to reach them and share the gospel with them, and this would have made you blush however like, long ago. Am I listening? But it's... He's given me a calm professionalism about it. And I have RN on my lab coat. Yep. But I've had him leave the office and say, what a great doctor. <laughs> and I'm going, that had to be God. That yep. had to be God because, I, you know, it's it's an RN. But I thought, you know, he knows and he's equipped and it's been awesome. But we have seen people from 14 years old to 60-something-year-olds. Are you serious? 60-something-year-old, yes. Anonymity. Yeah. That was the reason, anonymity. Huh, okay. But it's been it's been awesome. And it, probably in all the ones I've talked to, um, I, I'm not, I, I listened to your podcast with Christy, and I think, I think there's a little bit of a difference in it, in us, because I think you're more gospel driven maybe than we are. I don't know why. At, at uh, UMedical? At Hope, yeah, UMedical, yeah. yeah. And I don't know why, um, I feel like we're a little more practical, and the gospel comes in as the doors open. Yeah, and it may not come in till the second visit, but I always offer prayer right off the bat. Sure, and so I've only had a handful refuse. Well, and I think maybe you know, the, like historically, U Medical has been really big into the uh, the continuing education, the learning and earning program, and all that. And so, if you're going to be walking with somebody over a long period of time, it's important to tell them up front why we do what we do. Here's the terms of it. Here's what we're going to be telling you because otherwise it's like a bait and switch thing. And so, you know, articulating the gospel early and often is um, not only, you know, part of just like the evangelistic style, but it's also just a matter of integrity for what we're planning to do. Whereas it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like Hope Medical is like, all right, here's the moment of impact and and here's here's what we're going to do right now. Let's, you know, let's go. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. And maybe you guys don't, it's, it's not on your, on your plate to have to think about the next two years because you're offering the services for that moment. Mm, it's focusing maybe, there. Maybe. I don't maybe. know. But yeah, the, um, the, the question of 
whether people let you pray with them. That's always really interesting, right? Because you would you don't usually get what you would expect there. Mm-hmm. So what do you see when you ask people that are clearly far from God, the hey, ones, can I pray with you? Then they don't want to, or no, just, they, all, like, they all, you, most of them say yes. Why do you think that is? Most of them say yes. Why is it that people reject God in their day-to-day life, and yet when, when Grandma Paula comes know. up and offers to pray, they lunge at it? I don't know, but they when they do take it, they're usually very... Um, that was personal. That was personal. And I'm, I've, I've watched them say, and I thought, did they not know how to talk to this father? So when they say personal, they mean the that way was, that you talk yeah. to him? It's like yeah. somebody you know? It was personal. And I, and I talked to them about this situation, you know. So that's been awesome. And then I've had a couple that say, no, I've had a bad experience with prayer, so I don't want to. Sure. I said, do you mind if I pray for you? Oh, no, I don't mind. And one guy said, sure. Yeah. But he didn't want to. And I don't force them to pray. I say, can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. So that if they're uncomfortable with oral prayer, then I'm at least not yeah. uncomfortable with it. It's not like, so, now you pray in Latin. No, you, no, no. I want you to pray. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Do a good job. It's, it's, been, it's been awesome. That part's been awesome to learn. So there was, there was a situation a while ago where you called me up and said, you know, hey, can, can you get down here and help out with this thing? And so I, I run over there um, and I sat down with this gal that you had been speaking with for a long time. And she made this comment to me. She said that, um, she said that, that nobody, she didn't just say nobody has prayed with me. She said, nobody has taken the time to pray with me until I came here. And she, she told me that that was weird to her. And she Aww. basically, I mean, in my words, not hers, she was basically asking me like, why would you come here in the middle of the day? Like, I'm not even paying you, you know? And so just the, the idea of the motivation behind what you do, it's such a mystery to people. So how do you articulate that? When people, if somebody were to ask you, why, why do you do this? Why do you spend your time doing this? What would you say? But by the, for the grace of God, I could be one of those. My kids could be one of those people. My neighbor could be one of those people. And for some reason, he's given me a heart for this. And um, I want, I, I find what I'm telling a lot of the girls is, do you know who your Heavenly Father is because of what they haven't seen? And you really are a princess. And you, your body is, is important and valuable. And so I, I've always been a one that likes to be an encourager, so I hope that when they leave and we talk about this and we pray, even with the abortion issue, they feel more valued and that we really do care. We really do want to find helps for you. That's I like troubleshooting. I like networking. And um, hopefully God will give me the answer. I had one this week that was a challenge, and I thought, well, maybe this gal can, without, without um, crossing the HIPAA, anonymity yep how can we find her help and not um cross that line that's been a challenge for me sometimes gotta tiptoe through the red tape sometimes tiptoe yeah so then when you talk politically that's what i do too i tiptoe i don't talk politics at hope but i sure talk about hope at the political meetings (laughs) yeah and they that that's what they'll say they'll say why do we have to talk about abortion? And we're, you know, they, they say that. Oh, they do. They still what? Do. They still do. They hold, still on, do. hold on, hold on, hold on. So they still do. Let me pull the e-brake for a do. second. Why? The, on, on the political right, the right side yes, of the political bell curve. They don't want to talk about abortion. I'm sorry. What? Them. You, you got to explain that to me. No. Why? Um, I, I don't know. I first experienced this in Walla Walla when I was a delegate for one of the candidates. And somebody said, why do we have to keep bringing up the abortion? And I stood up and said, because it's on our doorstep. Because it is part of this. You're, you're, and, and then they say it's a, it's a purity test. It's a, it's a pH test, you know, and things like that. And I think no. What do they mean by that? Well, I will vote for a candidate that I know is pro-life. Okay. I may not agree with them on other things, but that's that's just important to me. You might vote for a candidate that's, you know, yeah. another economically areas. conservative, yes, whatever. Yes. Yes. So um, we're, a, we're, we're a big group, so hopefully then we get a big group. I had an I had a experience with one where we went to the lesbian, um, the, the gay marriage thing, 
And one one of our representatives says anything but marriage. Okay, that I thought, okay, that's our limit, and that's good. Well, later she retracted that. And I thought, this is why we get in the middle of these quandaries. Later, she voted for gay marriage. Well, you may not want to talk about it, but when the politicians make laws about it, mm-hmm. then you have to talk about it. Yeah, if God has spoken and we don't. You have to. Yeah. And when 1973, when Roe v. Wade was passed, abortion came to our doorstep. And that's what I tell them. It's on our doorstep now. It's not just a choice. Mm-hmm. It's on our doorstep. They're trying to make it a law. It, it's our tax dollars. I don't want my tax dollars spent on what I think is murder. So we have to. Well, they're still pushing back on both sides. They're still pushing back, pushing back. That's insane to me because one of the one of the many reasons that that's insane to me is because this is one of the issues where a biblical worldview is actually winning. And and it may be, as far as I can tell, it may be the only the only issue in the public forum of discussion where the scales have tipped in favor of a biblical worldview. seems like everything else is just running the opposite direction as you would expect. Right. But, mm-hmm. but on this one, it's like, guys, we're, we're winning this thing. I mean, too slowly, but we're, <laughs> so we're, we're recording this in the middle of May. I don't know when people are listening to it, but so the, uh, the Supreme court leaks just happened, right. Where yes. it looks like it's looking like, and I haven't checked an update in the last couple of days. It's looking like the Supreme Court is about to overturn mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade, right? Yes. And so somebody, in a last-ditch attempt to create chaos and threats and whatnot, they leaked the preliminary documents. And so everybody's freaking out right now. As of the date of this recording, we don't know how this is all going to come mm-hmm. down. But it looks like the sucker might get overturned here. Mm-hmm. And people are going ballistic. Now, I personally think that's hilarious because when I see evil and chaos... I chuckle a little bit, you know, but it's, it is interesting because it's, it's on our doorstep again for another reason. Yes. And so this has been thrust in the face of the citizen and a Christian citizen can't pretend not to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. This, this is not a time where you can say, listen, it's just all about Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. this is not a salvation issue. So I'm not going to pick it. That doesn't fly anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is life and God is the author of mm-hmm. life and they're taking that issue and taunting us with it. We're going to talk. You know, we'll, I'll take that bait. I'll take that bait all day mm-hmm. long. You want to bait mm-hmm. me into a conversation about something that God has already settled? I get to be very confident when I speak mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, the doorstep is here, and it's, there it, it is. It came to our doorstep. It came to us on the on the ballot box, you know. If you're going to vote for these people, you're going to get what you get. Yeah. If you're going to allow people to run for office that are ungodly, I don't want a Sunday school teacher. Sorry, I want a Sunday school teacher in Sunday school. But I don't want them to be a Sunday school teacher in politics because there are some things that we do have to be careful with. Um, if they're a Sunday school teacher, that's great. But I don't want, like, my president to be up there uh, a preacher. I want him to be practical. I want him to be godly. I want him not to be afraid to share about God, but also be about the business. Yeah. It's, it's and not less a- government is best. Yeah, it's not a qualification for a Sunday school teacher to be able to take no, a punch. No. But it is for a politician. <laughs> it's going to get something done, right? Yes. Which, okay, so here, here's a question. Politically speaking, is it worse to be evil or weak? And the reason I say this is because, yeah, it, it's like evil is, it kind of is what it is. It's a known quantity. You can almost plan around it, you know? Um, mm. And the the problem is not so much the existence of evil because it's always going to be there. The practical problem seems to be, people that know what's right and don't do it when they, when it's just weak. And in that sense, I'm madder at the Republicans in the last 50 years than I am at the Democrats because it, they're a known quantity, yeah. right? Yeah. So anyway, but I'm, I'm a young guy just ranting about stuff, about being frustrated. What what do you think about that? I mean, if we're, is it is it more important to be pro something or anti something when you're talking about lives being on the line? Well, you're, you've got an easier um, opponent if you know where they stand. But we have a lot of phonies now. Mm-hmm. That's where the rhino, the rhino term came mm-hmm. from. Republican in name only. They're not really conservative. So I think we've got our battle is um, uh, the discernment is very important because our battle is there's people that are coming alongside wanting to run for office and they sound conservative, but when you talk to them, they're not. So I think that's a little more dangerous than outright evil that i know where they're at i know i know where this person stands there is a type of evil that's actually honest about it right yeah okay so Mm -hmm. historically has it has it always been this way where um where politics is kind of this this 
no talk, this no touch subject. Like they say at Thanksgiving dinner, you don't talk religion and you don't talk politics. Right. But it seems like as I'm reading uh, stuff that was written a long time ago, it wasn't so bifurcated. It wasn't so mm-hmm. separated. It was just life. And you might as well talk politics as you might as well talk careers and stuff like mm-hmm. that, because it was just part of life. So in your lifetime, then did that, did, was it, was it always like that or did that split take place somewhere that was observable? Uh, going back to my parents, they never talked politics. They didn't talk religion. We did get sent to Sunday school, but we didn't talk about Jesus. We didn't. So looking back at that now, that was a big loss, I think, for me. That was a big loss. But then later in life, you can't because you instead you become argumentative. We didn't have a foundation. We didn't have what our parents believed. Mom, mom believed this, mom believed that. We didn't have any foundation to help guide us. Because they didn't articulate it to you? No, okay. no. So as adult children, we were overly sensitive with one another because we don't have that foundation. And like I said, they don't. if you don't teach them to go vote, if you don't teach them why we go to church, not just that you go to church like what we were told. It's what you do. It's just what you do. Then um, I always think of, People is they're rudderless. They're, mm-hmm. it, there's no rudder there to guide them, because eventually they'll find out. Like my, our boys will tell you, no matter what they did at home, it was later when they really when they really met the Lord was their own personal experience. Yeah. You know, it may we may. Ron used to think he was a Christian because he was born into a Christian family. Yep. But um, you have to share it. You have to talk it. You have to you have to pass it down the line. You have to be able to, you know, I, I appreciate these old traditions that they share with one another so that they know, oh, that's what was in our history. That what was in our past. And we don't do that much anymore. Yeah. There's this really bizarre, um, general wisdom about parenting now, which is, is almost abusive to the children. And the almost is debatable, but like, you know, they, they say that you can't, you can't tell a kid what to believe. Right. And so you're supposed to let a kid sort of discover their own faith and their own worldview and their, their own, own sex, their own sex, their own politics, their own attractions, you know, everything. And it's like, you, you're throwing, I, I mean, I have little kids and you know, my, my kids are friends with your grandkids, right? Mm-hmm. We, we got, we're raising these little ones mm-hmm. and it's like, these kids don't know how to pick their own bedtime. Like they, they can't nourish themselves with a fridge full of nourishing food. I'm like, I have to teach them something or they're mm-hmm. going to die in, mm-hmm. the, the, in, the, in the slowest and most shameful way possible, right? So there was, so then some people in the, in the church will carve out something for, um, for faith. So we'll make it a value to transfer our faith across generations and teach the kids about Jesus. But political issues then, we, we, won't, we won't like rant at our kids about politics or something like that. Again, there's that split, and I'm wondering, I'm trying to pinpoint where this comes from. Like, why is it that we separate these things in our mind? Because I, what I hear you advocating for is teach your kids about politics. Yes. Teach your kids about civics. Yes. You know? I got to be careful that it doesn't, again, you know, the, the danger of distraction. Yeah. Yeah. I got to be careful that in the pulpit, it's, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm tethered to the text, right? That's what that's right. for, and right. there's a very specific purpose for it. But when we're talking about discipleship around the table, the kids the kids are going to need to make decisions surrounding the details of civics that they're either going to learn it from me or they're going to learn it from, you know, Karl Marx. Right. Yes. So why the split? What happened? And how can we reintegrate it? Maybe. I don't know if it was our education, you know, teaching the constitution. We used to have to memorize some of those things. I couldn't tell you now, but I don't know if they, there seems to be a lack of patriotism. I don't want it to take the place of God, but there should be a little bit because I don't think we'd be here if it, but for God. You know, I, you know, yeah, I read an interesting statement once that, um, and I, I've come to really agree with this. A certain amount of patriotism is just a an application of Jesus' command to love your neighbor, um, and that's why you know in America we should love America, and in Nigeria they should love Nigeria, and Mexicans should be pro Mexican, right? <laughs> like God put us in, the, He determined the times and boundaries. Yeah, why of our am dwelling. I here? Yeah, He put us here for a reason. Yeah, and so we're yeah. supposed to love our neighbor, and and without making it an idol. Yes. Patriotism is an application yes. of that. Right? Yes. And I, I find too, you know, like oh, you can go to a, some meetings and they're going to want you for this committee, this committee, this committee, this committee, this committee. And you have to, it's like with the church, what are my gifts? What are my talents? What am I best at? Focus. What's my time? And not, not get stretched. And sometimes they're not going to like you for that. But you know what? Tough. So do they ever, 
there there are places where they want you to be less vocal about abortion. Are there places that you operate where they want you to be less vocal about Christianity? I don't know that I have. Um, I guess when I worked in the in a medical clinic, sure, you know, in the hospital campus, you had to be careful. So, because you get Medicare and Medicaid money, you can't be so religious. So it wasn't even a matter of like, listen, focus on the task at hand. It, it was like, hey, if you say this, our our support is at risk. Uh, yeah, it's it is. It's at wow. risk. Okay, it's at risk. So um, when I got on it at um, Hope, I thought, man, my world's opened up because <laughs> I can talk about God. I can pray with Him. I can. But then, even then, I found out, it, which is rightly so. You know, I'm I'm going to put this little verse on my chart on my desk. I'm going to write this verse, and it's going to be on my desk. And then I'm told, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You will scare people off. And I thought that stinks. But I now understand that a little better. We don't want, um, and Sherry was good about that. I just I miss her terribly. She she says we don't want to look like a baby nursery when they come in here because seeing they're they're talking about abortion. And we're going to scare them off the minute we look like, you know, we've got little baby items in here. It shouldn't be out in our lobby, you know. So I'm starting to understand that. There's a balance. There's a professionalism involved. And in the other clinic I worked at, if I wanted to put up a political meeting here, they'd say, you got to put up the Democratic meeting, too. Well, that's okay with me. Get the information mind. out there. Yep. I don't mind. I just don't have to know their schedule. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And the Democratic <laughs> counterpart is happening sometime. Uh, look yeah. it up. Yeah, Google it. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's, the, that's the great political statement. Do your own research. Um, you can make whatever statement you want and say people can do their own research. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And, and as it, a Christian, I, that's what I, I try to do. I try to do some research. And there's too much. There's yeah. too much. Way, way too much. And I try, okay, now I know I know my legislative um representatives i know skyler i know you know some of these where if i have a question i don't agree on everything but if i have a question they'll give me an answer Hmm. so that's the good thing about social you know in the past i'd have to look at phyllis schlafly or or concerned women for america and try to find out things but i didn't know a lot of local now they put it on we actually can meet them and talk to them and and send an email to them and send a send a, a message and ask them, what about this bill? And yeah. see where they stand. I love that. Yeah. So the intersection then between the, the Christian's political life, they were just operating as citizens, right? Which, by the way, for you, uh, for those of you listening, um, Jeremiah 29, 7 is really clear about this, right? He says, work for the good of the place where I have sent you into exile, because in finding their good, you will find your own good as well. So we are supposed to have a certain level of political activity mm-hmm. because we have to function as citizens for the benefit of the world around us. Part of that benefit is, in fact, I would say most of that benefit is going to be found in just loving your neighbor one-on-one, right? But some of that benefit is going to be found on the on the policy level. And so mm-hmm. we, we have to be able to operate there um, mm-hmm. you know, as necessary when it's called for. So then the, the Christians um, functioning as a citizen, political activity. Mm-hmm. What, what can we do specifically in the area of saving babies, building families, and things like that? What, what political action can we take as Christians? What do we need to be aware of in order to fight this fight in the legislative realm? I, I think it's mostly a connection, and I don't know who because everybody's going to be different. If I'm, a, if I'm part of the Benton County Republican Party, if I'm part of the Franklin and know who, who represents me in those areas, or you get down to grassroots PCO, if I'm a PCO, and one of my neighbors say, I heard about such and such, can I go look it up for them and help them? And, and I don't... I'm one of these that can go in and say, "You want me to? You want to learn how to vote? I'll I'll help you register." But if they vote Democrat, I'm not going to blast them for it. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy they're voting. Sure. So if I can get them the information, so if you can find out where the information's from, we have awesome stuff now through the legislature in Washington. You can just sign up. Oh, there's a bill coming up for. I just I just worked on one lately on um, dignity with. Uh, in death that I didn't death agree with dignity with. thing. Yeah, I didn't agree with it. So, and I was a hospice nurse, so I had some things that I could bring to them. You can now give your opinion if you don't even go to Olympia. You can give your opinion through the internet, so that they read these opinions. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's some tools that we have that we used to not have. 
Yeah, global instant communication is helpful yeah. for these yeah. things. Yeah. Are are there any um, pro life Democrats as far as candidates or organizations or any of that? There are, but I couldn't tell you any names okay. right now. I'm wondering if any of them get through in the, yeah. the, the way that it's structured these days. Because you know, there are some people that are like that are have been raised Democrat. They've always been Democrat. That's just how they're comfortable and, and things like that. But the issue of life is important to them. And I just, yeah. I got to wonder, like, I'm going to disagree with a whole lot of their other policies, but yeah. if we can be together on that issue, we'll go yeah. ahead and shake hands about a whole lot of other things. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think so too. I heard a pastor say once that, um, you should not be a single issue voter, but if you're going to be a single issue voter, mm-hmm. this is the issue to pick. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and think about how ironic it is. You're killing future voters. You know, you're killing your next population. You're killing your next generation. But you want to run for politics and help govern this land. That's where I think the predator comes in. You're picking and choosing who you want to be in your land. It does seem strange that a society does not have a survival instinct the way that individuals do. That population control is deep. Yeah, and that's a good point that all of these all of these things have ideological roots that go back yes. a long way and yes. have been well planned in their execution. Yes. And we're seeing the fruit of it. I feel like we're living at a time where we're seeing a whole lot of results. Yes. Right? There were and I don't know that every different stream of attack on a biblical worldview or attack on Western civilization, not that those are the same thing, but there's a lot of overlap, right? In in what you want to attack to bring it down. I feel like all of these different avenues of attack they're kind of culminating at this time in history. And I don't know if it was planned that way or if it just is that way or if the book of Daniel is just true or what, you know, yeah. whatever whatever it is that, that's actually going on. It sure is interesting to watch because we've got this deluge of, of issues where we're just, I mean, the biblical worldview, as far as numbers go and votes, is getting its butt kicked, right? It's no less true. God is not on yeah. his heels, but the 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 popularity has, you know, is is waning and waning and waning and yet you've got this abortion thing right you got this thing where it's becoming more and more clear to people who even people that that would hate god and and spurn his law and everything and they're like yeah but the christians got a point on this one man that's that's that, that's not a blob of tissue that's a baby how do we capitalize on that thank god for the the ultrasounds yeah you know before that they we didn't really have the proof then slowly slowly the proof came out yeah but I, um, I guess it's because it's just referring. It, you know, if you talk to somebody or know someone like like in our church, some of the teens they're they're not getting the information in their schools, mm. and hopefully, as Christians in our home, we're teaching them. But you're going to have kids come through your church that haven't been taught, and if we can reach them, out, reach out to them or um, refer them to Hope, we'll help. You know, yeah. or you medical, let us talk to them. You know. I think too COVID has caused some bodily changes. I don't know how. I can't explain it. Yeah, but when every Something's when every area happened. when every area of your your life is thrown off, it makes sense yeah. that there would be biological there are. echoes of that. And we we don't and there's a lot more miscarriages happening right now. I don't mm. know what it is, but we see that. So I, I think it's I bet you a couple of our listeners have theories. They're gonna write in after this and I'm gonna have to read all these emails. Thanks good, for that, Paul. Good, good, good. <laughs> It might help me to, because we're still trying to figure. There's some strange things going on. Yeah, yeah. But they, um, I guess it's just be open and, you know, like these things, these cards. These are our, have people come in and talk to us, mm-hmm. you know, so we can. But as far as political goes, I find that if I sp- if I pace myself and don't go to all the political meetings, I do better. I, I don't, if I go to a meeting constantly all the time then my balance is off and i start focusing too much on oh that. my goodness guys listen please listen to what she just said <laughs> that is that is hard-earned wisdom right there and you guys should benefit from that what what paula just told you was the was how to avoid making an idol okay <laughs> you know i look i've heard wisdom before right that's what it sounds like all oh. right there's hope for me yet, isn't there? I feel like you just said that and just dropped it like a candy wrapper. Like, oh yeah, and by the way, I can't, I can't make all of it. I'm like, no, 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 that's important. That's huge. Because- well, I've had the same thing happen with a church. A church, you will be there every time the doors open. Yeah. 
Well, I had kids in. We got Bible class every night. <laughs> you are here every time. That, and I'm thinking, okay, I didn't go. And then I'd feel guilty. And, you know, so, but it, it, it is. It's very important, I think, for all of us and our families. And, and I appreciate it, too, because, like, even Mike, as much as he works here, I think he can take a week. I never would have done that in church in the past. Yeah. It's just awesome to see. Well, and I think what you're doing is you're reaffirming basic biblical Christianity in the categories and stuff like priorities are God first. That's the first commandment and it's first for a reason. Right. And then the home is the center of his activity mm-hmm. and, it, and the home preceded the church historically. And there's a reason for that as well. Mm-hmm. And then the church comes in and is the bride of Christ and he loves the church and his plan for reaching the world is through the mm-hmm. local church. And so you focus there and then you bless the world around you and you get those things aligned in a, in a priority and everything gets its due attention. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. really amazing how well the system works when we, when we read God's playbook. And you look and you think, oh my goodness, I had time for more stuff that I didn't know. I yeah. It is. It's awesome. Yeah. You ever run into somebody that's not doing like a tenth of what you do in life and they're exhausted all the time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, how, do, how does that work, man? How do you get so tired doing so little? Well, like Ron says, the burglars and the, the bad guys, he says, they need to get a job. They're working too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can hear that in his voice. That's... <laughs> That's a Ron. It's true. It's true. When you're doing the the things you're supposed to be doing, you're energized. Man, that's amazing. But these guys are tired. <laughs> well, anyway. look, I'm I'm going to give you a piece of advice, and you okay. you're probably already doing this, but I I just want to I want you to hear this from <laughs> from your pastor. Okay, I think that one thing that's going to be really really helpful, um, that, that is helpful, and and will be more so going forward, is the stories because mm-hmm. the, the the way that the way that we receive information now because of social media, because of, you know, just kind of a truncating of, of critical thinking and things like that. And, and the fact that the logic and rhetoric are not taught really anymore. Um, we're, we're not good in our world at processing data like we used to be. Some people are, some people, you can go and find it. You can give people facts and whatever. Yeah. And all of that stuff is important around the, around it's the abortion manipulated. Issue. Well, yeah, there's a lot of that, right? It's like the, people say the numbers don't lie. And it's like, actually they do more than they tell the truth, depending on who's handling them. Right. Okay. But the, you get to see stories and you get to see God work and people uh-huh. get redeemed and people find hope whether they accept it or not. And those, we are a storytelling people, right? Kids yes. love stories and you yes. never actually grow out of that. And so the, I'm, I'm encouraging you to be, uh, <laughs> can I say liberal? I'm encouraging you to be liberal with your, with your storytelling so that everybody gets a little piece of what you're getting to do. Because I think that, that taps into something in the human mind that, we'll grab onto and that changes minds, you know? So anyway, that's what I think. And it happens one-on-one. I, you know, some of my, my conservative friends that didn't want to talk about abortion, if I can get them one-on-one and tell them why I do this, uh, they, they don't talk too much while I'm talking to them Mm. about this stuff. So I think, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a definite um, mission here and there's a definite way to present it. I might not get up in front of a group and say too much, but if I can capture a few years, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really appreciate the work you do and thank, thank you. you. And um, I, I really appreciate you welcoming me in to come alongside you. And, you know, in this and then the other ways that we get yeah. to support Hope Medical yeah. and stuff, um, it's it's a real honor to lock arms with you. You're a warrior and I got a thank lot of you. respect for you. Thank you. Guys, uh, listen, the world is a messed up place, but we got a gospel that is perfectly suited to fix it. So uh, have that fluent on your lips. Be ready to share it because people need it. And we can always say they need it now more than ever. So we'll see you guys on the next one. Hungry for Wisdom is a ministry of Grace and Truth Community in West Richland, Washington. You can find out more about us on our app, social media, or at graceandtruthcommunity.com. We love Him because He first loved us.